And if you can wrap your mind around creative solutions to the problems, not only will you help and enrich yourself, you're in a position to help and enrich those around you. And ultimately, if you think big enough, um, you're in a position to help really impact the course of human events. Texas Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Hello and welcome to another podcast episode of Texas Global Podcast. I'm Chawa Ratyong Dironona Pupei, your host and also a, a global content editor at Texas Media. We're going to take a look at one of the leaders of innovation in the world, literally, and that is the country of Israel. It's been described as uh, having a society, culture, a strong economy, and government support uh, that all. Definitely supports innovation, and today we are going to talk to a person that is definitely uh, in the forefront of promoting and and teaching the world about how uh, you know innovative Israel has been. His name is Avi Yorsh. He's a seasoned entrepreneur and author of five books, including "Thou Shalt Innovate: How Israeli Ingenuity Repairs the World." And of course, it has been a success. This book has been translated, I think, over forty languages. So let's talk to him. Hello, Avi. So great to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for talking with us today. I'm sure you've done a lot, and I and uh, my introduction might have not given all the details. So can you please tell us and our listeners about yourself and and your work? Sure. I'm based in Washington, D.C., and I go back and forth between Israel and the United States. I am primarily, uh, I run a number of different ventures in the U.S., uh, mostly in the finance space. I have a a credit card processing company. I invest in real estate, a bit of private equity, some private debt, and in the process of of raising a a tech fund. Uh, The tech fund really uh, is geared at two primary audiences. The first is giving our investors a healthy return, uh, and secondly, specifically geared towards uh, certain regions of the world that we're looking to remit back that technology. For example, given that you're based in Thailand, if we had a, uh, a Thai, uh, I don't think there's a sovereign wealth fund in, bank, in, in Thailand, but if there were a significant family office or a government body that wanted to remit uh, specific Israeli or other technology back to the country, we would have JVs together and help facilitate that. So it's both a, uh, a healthy return on your capital and a, uh, a double bottom line of making sure that that technology comes back to the country uh, where we are uh, raising the capital in order to really improve the lives of citizens in that particular region of the world. It's all about curing the sick, feeding the hungry, helping the needy, and frankly, uh, solving major grand global challenges, climate, water, food, disaster resilience, AI, et cetera. Wow, it's it's a, a lot to 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 process, especially since um you, you know Israel has been successful in in leading a lot of areas of innovation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your book? As I just mentioned just a, uh, a moment ago, I mean it was published in 2018, but since then it's it's gotten a lot of attention. So Thou Shalt Innovate was a uh, has a book that is now out in nearly 40 languages. It has been a international phenomenon. It really describes the secret sauce behind Israel's innovative character. And I start off the book by really interviewing, or at least my journey with the book, I started interviewing 
everyone I could, professors, the innovators themselves, those in the private equity world, uh, the academic community, uh, rabbis, ministers, uh, Muslims, Christians, Jews. And it was a journey to really determine what is the secret behind Israel's uh, success. This is a country that is extraordinarily small, that is playing an outsized role in uh, the world in curing the sick, feeding the hungry, helping the needy. And I was really seized with the idea that this technology is, is making the world a better place and solving these grand global challenges. Uh, the book features 15 different innovations uh, that have made the world a better place in the realms, again, water, food, uh, artificial intelligence, space, etc. And um, it tells the story behind the innovators. I like to say this is a, an easy reading book. It's an armchair book. Uh, the No chapter is more than 4,000 words. I, I'm a big believer that uh, a book needs to be not read linearly. So in other words, you can pick up the book anywhere, any particular chapter. Uh, no book will take, no chapter should take an individual more than 15, 20 minutes to read. And so it's a very quick paced, easy book to get a handle on. And, um, and it has done well internationally. As I said, I know you're based in Thailand. The book came out in Thailand um, uh, two, three years ago, and it has mm -hmm. also done well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's been a really lovely journey for me, seeing people around the world having their eyes open to the possibility of what can we actually do to make the world a better place. Uh, Israel's founding father, uh, David Ben-Gulion, stood at the lectern nearly 75 years ago, and he said as follows, I love this quote. He says, Israel has been granted the great privilege and the obligation to tackle some of the greatest, the greatest challenges of the 20th century. As we sit here together and we do this interview, Hope your listeners are really turning on to the idea of we've all been granted this great privilege and obligation to tackle some of the greatest challenges of the 21st century and the innovations featured in the book. I hope will start will help start and stir a conversation about what is it that we can do to solve these massive problems that we have around the world. You know, it's it's so interesting that. Um, the, you know, a lot of innovation I see comes from areas or, or countries where they're, they don't have a lot of resources. You know, you, yourself, you know, Israel has gone through a lot in terms of challenges. Um, what makes uh, your country, you know, unique in, in its culture in, in cultivating that growth? Because obviously there's a lot of things that you need to prioritize. Uh, why prioritize uh, innovation in terms of helping the world. I think once you understand that when you uh, when you doing right and doing well are not necessarily mutually exclusive. When you have a grand global challenge that is afflicting a billion people, if you're able to solve it for yourself, you're able to obviously solve it for the grand uh, for the greater public and the greater citizens of the world. Look, you you ask an excellent question. What you really is, if I if I distill your question down. What is the secret of Israel's success? Here's a country that is 60% desert and has now become a water superpower. Here's a country that is traditionally, although that is thankfully changing in the region, been surrounded by uh, enemy countries and mm -hmm. basically it was forced to take its innovations and look beyond the local and go global. So let's let's look at what have what are the secrets of Israel's success? The first is this, this idea of disaster um, uh, resource scarcity. Israel is not a country with a lot of resources, not rich in water, not rich in oil, not rich in gas. In fact, if anything, it is a country with 
a tremendous amount of problems, problems with its Arab neighbors, problems with resource scarcity, problems between the very rich and the very poor. This is a country that one cannot say is a paradise by any stretch of the imagination in that regard. And mm-hmm. it has basically turned uh, lemons into lemonade. And mm-hmm. so from a this idea that we have resource scarcity, and so it forces us to work on technologies that uh, have global applications has been one of the secrets to Israel's success. The second is the idea of failure. We as humans, we don't like to fail. Mm, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but the truth of the matter is failure is key to our success in everything that we do, uh, certainly in the business realm, but I would even say in the, in the personal realm, all of us have gone through uh, some measure of personal adversity. And those of us that are able to learn from those mistakes, learn from those challenges and become a much more resilient human being. And now you take this to the macro in the country. Israel is, uh, when you have a, in Israeli culture, if you have not failed in your first, second or third startup, people look at you as if you're a little funny. There's a real recognition that you must fail in order to succeed. Let's take, for example, the light bulb. You know, you have Thomas Edison who, had to had work with the filament, over a thousand filaments in order to get it right. Had he not gone to the proverbial thousand and one, we wouldn't have had light bulbs today. So this idea of failure is really important. The next is this, this idea of diversity. Israel is an extraordinarily diverse country. And it is a country that I would say celebrates its diversity. It has Muslims of every stripe and every variety. It has Christians of every stripe and every variety. And it has Jews from over 100 countries around the world. I always say that the Israeli innovative or innovation ecosystem is powered by diversity. Uh, the next secret is this idea that Israel reveres its secular institutions, the military, and all but one of its universities. And finally, and this I think is directly applicable to certain places in Asia and certainly in Thailand, mm-hmm. this ancient civilization that... Um, focuses on, I'll use this in a cultural sense, the prophetic tradition. Uh, We are an ancient civilization that when we look back on our prophets from thousands of years ago, we were taught uh, for many, many thousands of years that our job was to bring light to the world and cure the sick, feed the hungry, help the needy. needy. Uh, Three times a day in our quintessential prayer from the Jewish people instructs us to um, fix the world in the image of God. In one of our most important books of Jewish law, um, the Mishnah, we are told no less than 10 times that it is incumbent upon us to make the world a better place and engage in something called tikkun olam, the idea of repairing the world. Um, on, fr- on Saturday nights, when we exit the Sabbath and we go to the rest of the week, we have a very special prayer. And it basically instructs us to, um, to separate between lightness and dark, darkness, and to um, uh, between holiness and, 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 re- and the regular rest of the week. Mm-hmm. And once you start thinking about the world between darkness and light, there's no turning back. This idea that it, we are all charged with bringing more light to the world is a profound concept. And you can't repeat this idea day in, day out for thousands of years of curing the sick, feeding the hungry, helping the needy, bringing more light to the world, and for that not to have a deep, a deep impact on the cultural DNA of your people. And so Israel today is basically a, a modern manifestation of all of these secrets of its success. And when Ben Gulion said 75 years ago, 
uh, we've been granted this great privilege and obligation, he also says something else. He basically, this idea that we're charged with looking beyond the borders of the state of Israel ultimately means that we're looking in a global sense of how to bring more light to the world. And if you look at Israel, Israel today is exporting its best asset tech for the benefit of humanity in order to really enrich and defend its own people and make the world a far, far better place. Well, you know, talking about those innovations, I mean, a lot of listeners um, may not realize that there's been so much that has been done from innovators from Israel. Just to give the, the picture for our listeners as to how much that, that has been done, it's been mentioned as well in your book. Um, can you give us some of the, the key significant, you know, case studies of innovation that, that, that could inspire our listeners uh, to see how, how massive of an influence it has been? Sure, let's just go through a few. I'll, I'll start with the water with the raw, with the water realm since the world really is turning to a, we are going to see in our lifetime a water, we are gonna see water scarcity in certain key parts of the world. And I'm inspired by the idea that Israel is 60% desert and today is a net, is a water superpower. So one of the innovations, the, the secret of Israel's success in the water realm really rests on five different innovations, not one, but five. Uh, the first is, um, is drip irrigation. Drip irrigation was innovated in Israel in the 1960s. And essentially for those listeners that are not familiar with drip irrigation are these small plastic tubes mm -hmm. that emit micro amounts of water in, in a drip fashion mm -hmm. uh, that doubles the yield of, uh, of, the, of the production of whatever it is that is being grown and it saves a tremendous amount of water. The other wonderful innovation that I like to talk about is desalination. Desalination was created in the United States but it was perfected in Israel, reverse osmosis. Uh, Israel has five desalination plants in the country, um, and it is used for over 50% of Israel's water drinking needs. Interestingly, Israel has taken that particular innovation and also proliferated the world. Uh, it has built uh, over 300 desalination plants all over the world, including the largest desalination plant in the Western Hemisphere in California, and the largest desalination plant in China and in India. Um, Israel also uh, recycles 90% of its wastewater. When you go to the toilet, you generally think of, of wastewater as being a little disgusting. Sewage is not so pleasant. Mm -hmm. In Israel, it is one of the uh, most expensive commodities you can buy or sell. Believe it or not, yeah. your human waste is extraordinarily expensive. Uh, normally, water authorities around the world clean the water once or twice, and then dump it back into our rivers and oceans. In Israel, that water is cleaned five times. Technically, you could drink it, but the idea of drinking sewage water is a little disgusting, so Israel doesn't do it. But you could technically drink it, and it recycles 90% of that wastewater. It is used for uh, agricultural purposes. The next country down, so Israel is at 90%. The next country down is Spain at 18%. The United States does about 5%. So just to give you a sense for where Israel is at and where the United States is at, you look at Israel 90, United States circa 5%. Uh, Israel also employs this innovation called Takadu, which sounds uh, Japanese, but is very Israeli. Takadu is an AI company that gathers data from the water authorities and knows almost with 100% certainty when there are leaks taking place in the pipes, oh. identifies the exact spot. And the last is my personal favorite, is the two-button toilet. Uh, everyone has seen these two buttons, you know, button one, button two. 
um, you know, number one, number two. And so when you employ those five innovations, you have a water superpower in Israel. And I would encourage your listeners to really think about this as a grand global challenge. Because if you look at, for example, let's take countries around Israel, Egypt, a country of 100 million people, in five years will experience, scientists are predicting, a water problem of biblical proportions. 100, people, 100 million people are going to run out of water. Uh, Iran, a country of 80 million people, that by 2030, uh, over half of its population are going to become water refugees. If Iran is a country that today points its missiles at Israel and uh, threatens to destroy the country. I suspect in the years to come, and we're seeing this already among many of Israel's neighbors, uh, Israel in the last two years has signed peace agreements with uh, the UAE, Sudan, uh, Morocco, uh, and Bahrain. And you add that to two other peace initiatives with Egypt uh, and with Jordan. And I, I truly believe in the, that in the years to come, more countries will join the Abraham Accords. Uh, we are seeing the power of tech, countries that turn their creative energy to innovation, their future is bright, the rest less so. Mm-hmm. And when I look at a country like Thailand, I am extraordinarily excited for the future of this country. We're having this podcast today. Both of us are in, in Bangkok. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I am extraordinarily excited by the people that I meet and the future that I believe that we are, the joint future that we can have together. When I look at the grand global challenges that we face together in a place like Thailand and in greater, greater Asia uh, and in Israel, I'm excited by all that we can do together in investing in technology and in a better future for our children to solve these, these massive problems that we have. Israel, of course, is also a leader when it comes to health tech, agrotech, water tech, fintech, defense tech, I can go through. I mean, yeah, it's- you, don't, it's, you don't have to go through. Um, I mean, obviously, Texas has been writing a lot about um, a lot of innovations, mainly coming from Israel. We are very excited to have you in Bangkok as well. Um, and and yeah, I mean, just just a reference to what you said about waterways. I mean, Thailand definitely needs to get its act together because we waste water so much. We have a lot of rain, but in our neighboring country of uh, Singapore, they also recycle their water as well. Um, but yeah, talking about collaboration, since you're here in the region, uh, you know, uh, what what kind of collaboration do you think we can see uh, between Israel and, and Thailand and also ASEAN? And I see that the sky's the limit. Let's just, I want to, I want to, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about where we're going in the next 10 years. Let's really think about where the world is going by 2030. So in, uh, in eight years from today, for the first time, a computer is going to process faster than a human brain. It's going to pass the Turing test by 20. And that will, the significance of that is not to be undermined as a result of the fact that a computer will process faster than a human brain. For the first time, we will quote unquote have thoughts that we've never had before. We're gonna have mm-hmm. we're gonna have access to ideas that we never had before because the processing has always been limited by the, the quickness of our brain. We will, for the mm-hmm. first time, go beyond that. Mm-hmm. By 2030, we'll have a human on the moon full-time and on our way to Mars. By 2030, we will likely beat a certain number of cancers. By 2030, the world will, in all likelihood, uh, have turned completely to um, autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles. We are looking at an extraordinarily exciting and bright future. Uh, one, you know, scientists are predicting that by the end of this century, we will have experienced 50,000 years of human change. The things that your children and mine will see 
by the end of their lifetimes are unimaginable. We simply can't even imagine where we are going over the coming century. And I believe that for the first time in human history, we are in a position to solve the problems that we have created in our, I'm not sure in our lifetime, hopefully in our lifetime, but certainly in our children's lifetime, we will be a multi-planetary society faring species. And we, are, we will be in a position to copy paste our DNA and ensure the survivability of our species. We have a tremendous number of problems that we can and must solve on the planet. Um, and we have this great gift that we've been given, tech, in order to solve these problems. And when I look at the collaboration that we can, we can enact together in Thailand and Israel and ASEAN and in Singapore and all the neighboring countries, we have an amazing privilege and responsibility to work together. And so I encourage each of your listeners to look around, find a challenge that they are, that you are facing personally and collectively as a society and either work uh, with your colleagues on your own to try and find solutions to those challenges and, or look to a country like Israel and see if a, if a solution to that challenge has already uh, been created. And hopefully we will find a way to work together in order to- Are, are, there, are there any like specific areas do you think that Israel is, is interested in, in collaborating, you know, in, 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 in when it comes to, uh, you know, Southeast Asia? Absolutely. Let's, let's, go, let's go through the list. Um, and this is just the beginning. Obviously, the water technologies that I just talked about, mm-hmm. extraordinarily interested. Uh, Israel has engaged in what I like to call water diplomacy with countries that it doesn't even have a diplomatic relationship with. Okay. Uh, water, for sure. When it comes to agricultural innovations, Israel is a leading uh, powerhouse when it comes to ag tech. Just to cite one ridiculous example, the cherry tomato was innovated in Israel. Israel is one of the leading seed banks in the world in order to genetically engineer seeds for them to be hardier, more resilient, and mm-hmm. to essentially work on crops that can feed a tremendous number of people around the world. When it comes to med tech, Israel was the producer behind drugs that work on Parkinson's, uh, central tremor, Tourette's, multiple sclerosis. Um, When it comes to certain technologies that, med tech specifically, that allow you to to have surgeries on the brain and on the spine. When it comes to, um, when it comes to AI, AI is an issue that Israel is extraordinarily strong in. When in all the realms, data collection, autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, Israel is keen to work uh, with Asia and in Thailand. I know we were um, the uh, the Israeli embassy, who I'd like to thank uh, here in Bangkok, uh, has made this podcast uh, uh, for my my uh, my participating in this podcast. They introduced us. Uh, there is a a program between the embassy of Israel in Bangkok and Thailand in order to encourage startups to work together, both here in Bangkok and in Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv slash uh, Israel. Uh, certainly, there's a tremendous amount of collaboration, certainly in the space that I'm in when it comes to the fund. If there are those of uh, any of your listeners are looking to invest uh, in Israeli technology and make a healthy return and help bring that technology back here to, to Asia, I'd be happy to engage in that conversation. And I can be found always at www.aviorish.com. And my book, obviously, I hope will inspire mm-hmm. listeners to really look beyond uh, where they're at today and think creatively about where we can go in the years ahead. 
Well, I just wanted to give a little note. Uh, if you didn't catch that, obviously, uh, you know, where you're listening to this podcast from, there'll be a link to uh, a summary of this podcast, and we'll provide the information for our listeners to get in touch with Avi and the Israeli embassy, of course. Um, uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask is, follow up probably to what you just mentioned about, you know, what are the core things that makes uh, Israel's ecosystem so strong? Um, different countries have different ecosystems, different challenges. Um, Thailand or ASEAN is a eclectic of different, you know, economies, different societies. Um, what are the main challenges do you think, you know, that people have to tackle first when it comes to you know, proceeding and, and growing a healthy startup ecosystem. Uh, so for your specifically, you want to know, is the question, is your question specifically how Israel has created this ecosystem and what is directly applicable? We, to we've it? heard from, from your side how you have created, but uh, perhaps maybe, uh, I know that one size doesn't fit all, but like perhaps you can give us um, tips or, or, or probably uh, some, some insight into how we can, uh, follow in the footsteps of Israel in our own individual yeah. way? Here's what I will say. Israel has done in this regard, has created a number of programs that have been extraordinarily successful that have launched a lot of these startups that are directly applicable to uh, countries of different shapes and different sizes. The first is a government program called the 80-20 or 50-50 program. This is, a, this is an interesting program where Israel will provide a certain amount of money in innovation hubs and if you're an innovator, uh, you put up 20% of the capital to start your venture, and Israel will put in 80%. If, if, the, country, if the company is successful, um, the company pays back the 80%. If the company fails, mm -hmm. it is written off as a, as a grant. Now, this is important because it, it really promotes failure. If you think about that, it allows mm -hmm. a company to come in. They've got skin in the game. Okay, just enough skin so that they don't want to fail. But if and when they do, it's forgiven in terms of a grant. And if they're successful, that money goes back into the government coffers and it's, it's, it is paid back on that 80% and a no interest loan. It's a very, very interesting model and one that really promotes innovation mm -hmm. and failure. The other is this idea of, of basically private equity funds that looks at specifically. Uh, that looks at specific grand global challenges and where we want to go. I don't believe, I did a little bit of reading before the podcast that uh, Thailand has a sovereign wealth fund. When it comes to sovereign wealth, this is an area, look at Singapore, for example. Singapore has Temasek, which is mm -hmm. one of the largest, largest sovereign wealth funds in the world. Temasek has a very, very healthy presence in Israel and in other places around the world that, again, it is looking at two very specific ideas. One is a healthy return on its investment. And the second is remitting that technology back to, uh, back to the country of Singapore. And this is a model that I feel strongly should be employed in many, if not all countries around the world, is for sovereign wealth funds and ma major family offices to find a local fund that they can invest in that does both of those things, that identifies a healthy return and remits that technology back in order to fulfill a very specific need in that country. Because as you said, there's no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So while in, 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 in Thailand, you have an issue of water, for example, right? That, that same issue may not be around in 
Singapore or China. As it turns out, it is. But there are certain technologies that are directly applicable or certain problems that are directly applicable to one country that are not in the other. And this is where really uh, funds are in a position to really help have a return mm-hmm. and remit the technology back. Yeah, and and, uh, and, and definitely uh, having that um motivation right to 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 do good to do something for society uh but you know uh with the i just wanted to add this you know with the, there are a lot of challenges in terms of for those who are listening there might be challenge with the economic downturn you know covid-19 has been pretty much a a, a challenging and interesting time uh for a lot of startups and and companies um some have benefited some may have not but um what is your advice for those people who are listening that might be struggling right now to innovate? Here's what I would say. Um, COVID was hard for many of us. Uh, there were many blessings and many curses that came as a result of COVID. Let's all be, let's all be honest, going into lockdown, uh, not pleasant for any of us. Any of you that had COVID, uh, if you had more than a mild case, we know that uh, unpleasant and some, some have long-standing repercussions as a result of COVID. And with that said, in every crisis, there's opportunity. Um, let's look at the fact that Zoom, let's just take one example of Zoom. How many of us really did Zoom before COVID? Very few. And it's basically in many ways made the world a smaller place. It is uh, it has allowed many of us to communicate in a way that we were not able to communicate before. Um, certainly it has forced us to rethink about what makes us happy as humans. What is the importance of travel? And so if you're a listener that is struggling, I will say uh, that in every crisis, there's an opportunity. And think creatively of when there are problems, there are inevitably solutions. And if you can wrap your mind around creative solutions to problems, not only will you help and enrich yourself, you're in a position to help and enrich those around you. And ultimately, if you think big enough, you're in a position to help really impact the course of human events. Uh, Israel's late president, Shimon Peres, and love this quote, he would always say that his biggest mistake in life was not dreaming, but rather not dreaming big enough. And so I would encourage your listeners to really think, think globally and act in accordance to that. What is your biggest dream? What is the thing that you want to do that will really ultimately make the world a far better place. Now, for some of your listeners, they're in a position to create the next great startup. Mm. That does, that's not what, that is not necessarily uh, in the cards for every one of your listeners. I will say this, every one of us is in a position to bring more light to the world. And that can mean opening the door for someone. That can mean visiting someone who is sick. That can mean hanging out with your mom and giving her a kiss and telling her how much you love her. Once we start thinking about the world in terms of how do we bring more light to the world? That really, in my mind, is the key to truly, it's the first step in making the world a much better place and impacting deeply the course of human events. Wow. You are definitely 
definitely inspired me. And I'm sure those who are listening are inspired as well. Thank you so much for taking us through that journey of how, you know, Israel has, uh, you know, successfully uh, built itself up and not only taken care of itself, but also has uh, taken care and played a big role in uh, caring and and innovating and, and pushing more progress in the rest of the world. Thank you so much, Avi. And if you want to know more about Avi and his story, uh, click on the link that is attached to this podcast. You will go to our Texas Media website, or you can always DM us. We'll give you all of the details into how you can get in touch with him and also the Israeli embassy. Thank you so much, Avi. Thank you. Happy to come back on your show. Hopefully sometime soon. Sauce, sparking innovative thoughts.